So, um, I'm trying to follow the leading of the Spirit when, uh, in, in, in all the church services now. So, um, and I kind of got the whole feeling that the, the kind of the direction that God wants to go in today, it was based around the opening psalm actually, which was Psalm 147. So if you've got a Bible, feel free to turn to it. So Psalm 147. And really the theme today is about praise and the power of praise. You know, and we're singing all these songs and we declare all these things. And quite often or not, I, I, I think that we're not really quite aware of the power behind praise and worship and how powerful it is in the heavenly realms and how powerful it is for us both spiritually but also naturally as well and how it can heal us and it can deliver us and it can set us free. Um, so let's just look at, uh, where were we, 100, Psalm 147. And also... Because we're coming into a shifting of a spiritual season. We, you know, I was preaching on that the other week. Uh, and things are beginning to change. But like, like in any season, you don't, when, when we go from like summer to autumn, there's not this instant break. And it's like, wow, we've just hit autumn. There, there's this kind of crossover. And the crossover works both ways. There's, as autumn is coming, you get glimpses of that still in summer. And, and on the other side, summer is fading while you're still in autumn. So we as Christians, we have an opportunity now to start moving already in the things that God wants to start doing in the next season and he wants us to be a people that are carriers of his Holy Spirit we're like little clay earthen pots but filled with the glory of God you see and, it, and I think God wants to awaken his church and shake his church to realize who she is and what she is because you know, we can look in the mirror, can't we, and think, well, I'm just, I'm just an ordinary guy, or I'm just an ordinary, well, you might not look at me and think I'm ordinary, but you might, I'm an ordinary guy, or I'm an ordinary woman, you know, I'm quite a normal person, and, but the reality is, is that you're not normal. You are abnormal, because you carry something that no one else carries on this earth. You are literally a carrier of the kingdom of heaven. No one else has it. And we have this great commission from God, which is to take that kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and take it out to people so they can have that in their hearts as well. And this isn't just some abstract thing that becomes real when we die. It's a, it's a real thing now. And what God's challenge is to us is like, start walking in the kingdom, experience the kingdom. The kingdom of God uh, is not just in drinking and eating, but it's in righteousness, peace and joy. These are things that you can tangibly have in your life. You know, we need joy. Uh, it says in Nehemiah 8, doesn't it? It says, our strength is the joy of the Lord. And if you ain't got no joy, brothers and sisters, you are, your strength is, is shaky. And I always say to people, when they're, when they're struggling with their walk with God and they're not strong in God, it's like, how's your joy? And I haven't got any joy in my life. Well, well, there's the problem. We need to get some joy into your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So, but then you get to all these questions. Like, well, how do you get joy in your life? I want to get some joy in my life. How am I going to get some joy in my life? Hallelujah. So, well, let's read the Psalms. The answer's all there. Now, let's look at Psalm 147, the first verse. It says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. Now, there's multiple meanings there. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. So, firstly, theologically, it is good to praise our God because he is worthy of our praises. And, you know, and all the angels worship him and every tongue will bow down before him and declare his goodness. But actually, it also means it is good. It's actually good for you 
to sing praises to our God. Praise is becoming and it is appropriate. But look at the response in verse two, what happens as we praise the Lord. The Lord is building up Jerusalem. He is gathering together the exiles of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, healing their pain and comforting their sorrow. And this is one of the things that I feel that the Spirit wants to talk about today is that he wants his people to be a people of praise and a people of worship. Uh, It says uh, in various places in the scriptures to offer up a sacrifice of praise. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, have you often thought about what a sacrifice is? Okay, it's normally when you uh, get an animal, forgive the, uh, if you've got any vegans here today or anything, but in the Old Testament days, where you get an animal and because you've done something wrong or actually as a part of your worship, you want to give something that's costly to the Lord, you sacrifice an animal um, as, as a form of burnt offering to go up as a worship offering to the Lord. In other words, worship should cost us something. Sometimes worship is a sacrifice. Sometimes when we praise and worship God, you're like, I don't want to lift my hands, I'm feeling miserable. I don't want to sing out with, I don't want to dance to the Lord because I'm feeling miserable or I'm feeling a bit embarrassed. It's like Jesus, he's given up his life on the cross for every one of us. And, and it's just like, guys, a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise will release the chains. Remember, is it uh, Paul and Silas? They were in the prison, weren't they? Is it Paul and Silas or, or Peter? I can't remember just off the top of my head. Sorry? Definitely Paul. All right. So it's Paul and Silas just and read the story for a while. So Paul and Silas, they're in, in the book of Acts, they're in the dungeons down in, under, the, under the ground and they're there just praising the Lord. They've been beaten, they've been whipped, they've been humiliated, they've been abused, they've been mocked, they've been scourged. Hallelujah. All right. They, they, they've got something to be miserable about. They've, they've, they've had a tough ordeal and they're not there going, I'm just feeling so sorry for myself. It really hurts. My back hurts. They're like, they're rejoicing that they're counted worthy to, um, to have endured such things for the Lord. And so they're praising and worshipping. But what happens when they praise and worship? The shackles come off them. The prison doors blow open. And those who were once held in bondage are now released and are free. And that's what praise and worship does. It releases us. What you saw there was a physical manifestation of an inner reality that takes place when we praise and worship our God. It sets us free. Now, you may still be feeling pain. I mean, those guys after they're praising and worshiping God and those chains come off, their back still hurt. They still felt probably pretty in a lot of pain. It probably took weeks and weeks to heal up, etc. But the point is, is our praise and worship it, it doesn't do away with the pain and the things that we're going through, but it enables us to ride above it. It enables us to, c- to come above our circumstances. But you see, God's ways are highways. Our ways are low, base and carnal. But if we do things God's way, then we can be on the highway. Yeah, the highway of holiness. Now, I want to explain something about the word of God. For, for, for us Christians, now we, we often struggle, um, especially when you read Psalm 119 and you come across some like some these kind of these sort of sayings and you're like, well, what does that even mean? You know, how blessed and favoured by God are those whose way is blameless, okay, who walk in the law and who are guided by the precepts revealed by the Lord. And, and it's talking about blessed are those that walk in the commandments of God. And 
But more often than not, I don't think we really understand what it means to walk in the commandments of God. We almost think like you've got this tick list and you're like, well, I'm not really holy unless I've gone tick, 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 and I've done that. That is not what this is about at all. That is not what the commandments of God are about at all. You see, God is saying, look, guys, you are of the earth. You are earthy, but you're also spiritual. Here is a blueprint of life that if you walk in it, you can have my blessings, you can have my grace, you can have peace, you can have sustainability, you can have prosperity and all the things that you turn your hands to. But if you choose not to observe those commandments and you do it man's way, you do it God's way, you walk into a whole world of heartache. You just walk into a whole world of pain and suffering and you can open yourself even up to the demonic and stuff. And so when the commandments say, don't do this, it's not like, oh, God's a killjoy, I can't do that. He's like, no, I'm trying to teach you the way of life. I'm trying to teach you the way of peace and the way of joy that if you walk in those things, you can be set free. And so when the Psalms are telling us, praise the Lord for it's a good thing to do and it can bring healing to you, that's what it's saying. That's one of those commandments. Let's praise the Lord. The Bible says in Thessalonians, says, give thanks in all circumstances. So which circumstances do we give thanks in? All. Are you sure it says all? Yeah. Well, all of them. Because there are some situations you're going through and you might think, well, I don't think this is a very particularly nice thing to praise God for. No, no, the scripture says, oh, we try and justify, oh, well, maybe it doesn't mean it. Maybe it means like, oh, we've got to give thanks of God despite, no, it says give thanks to God in all circumstances. If you're, if, you're in the, if you're in the mire and you're up to your neck in it, you say, thank you, Jesus, that I'm in the mire because you said wherever I am, you will be. You won't leave me. You won't fail me. You won't forsake me. Jesus, I thank you that you took on flesh. And it says in Hebrews that you were tempted in every way as I am tempted. But he didn't sit. So he is a high priest that is sympathetic to what we're going through. So you can praise God in all circumstances. Lord, Lord, I, I'm really suffering from uh, the temptation to go and buy myself another synthesizer or something. Lord Jesus, please, please heal me. Please forgive me. Hallelujah. I give you praise and thanks, Lord Jesus, that in this, in this temptation, you will deliver me. You will help me and uh, give me a good ear bashing from my wife. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Yeah. But it's in the place of praise and worship that God can lift us up out of our place. You see, God is a, is a deliverer. Now, I like that word deliverer because it's, it, it, sometimes we get so caught up in our language that we don't really think about the language. So a deliverer, what is a deliverer? I mean, we have them all over the place these days, don't we? We have Amazon delivery and uh, we have... Uh, having babies. Having ba delivering babies is a good one. Um, uh, what's that? Sorry? Even possession. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that kind of deliverance. Yeah. But deliverance is basically where something normally gets taken from one place to another. And so if God is your deliverer, he wants to take you from where you are and take you and raise you up on the high places. Amen. Because you already are in high places, like really high places. Where are you? Where are you seated? You're seated in heavenly places at the right hand of well, Jesus at the right hand of the Father and you're sat with him in heavenly places. So you're also sat at the right hand of the Father with Jesus far above all powers and principalities and dominions, which means you're way above your circumstances. The problem is, is we are sometimes we um, we, are, we, we, we forget how heavenly we are. We are fully earthly, but we're also fully heavenly. But sometimes we get so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly use. 
Yeah, and uh, and that's the problem is we're so earthbound. But but what praise and worship does is it allows us and through the spirit to to transcend the realm of the earth and go up into the spirit realm and start praising God. And you see, when we praise and worship as a congregation, it does things in the heavenly realms as well. You know, I think it was a travesty when when the church was literally shut down for about a year and a half. There was no praise and worship, corporate praise and worship going up to the Lord over the land of Great Britain. And look what's come in in the last year and a half. Some terrible things over our nation. We make a difference. Our praise and worship makes a difference. Now, if you turn quickly to Psalm 150. Yeah. Sorry, I mean 149. Uh Oh, yeah, Psalm 149. But this is a really interesting uh, psalm about uh, spiritual warfare. The first half of it, it almost seems like the second half has got nothing to do, but it has. It's got everything to do with the first half. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Praise him in the congregation of his godly ones. Now, what does it mean to sing the Lord a new song? Bearing in mind that that's written in the Psalter, which the, uh, the Jewish people had been singing for, well, I guess thousands of years now and the church has been singing psalms and it says in the psalms okay you've been using this psalter for all this time but sing a new song but if you look in uh, was it first book of first chronicles it said how the musicians now this is in Solomon's temple and in the tabernacle of David it says and actually says this it says that the greater skilled musicians were to train the lesser skilled musicians in how to prophesy on their instruments so there were times like we did a bit today where we go off piste, we, we go off course a little bit, we follow where the spirit is leading and our worship comes into new songs that are born of the things of heaven and born out of the situations that we're in. And new songs come and come out and go up to the Lord. And then we come back into the place of the familiar, we start worshipping God back in truth again and then we come out again and then we start worshipping God in the spirit again. Yeah, that's what God wants and that's what it says here in, in the things. So carry on. So. Sing a new song to the Lord and praise him in the congregation of his godly ones. In other words, it's good to do corporate praise and worship. There is a place for me, myself, I and Jesus, obviously at home and stuff. But actually the congregation is really important to God as well. That's why it's really good to gather together. And even and this is what I love about the Bible. You see, science is way behind the curve. So science has proved that congregational singing and worship it does really peculiar things to people. It causes everyone's heartbeat to sync together, but it also causes a strong sense of well-being, releases certain chemicals and stuff in the mind, which is actually really good for you and actually is really good against things, uh, various sort of uh, diseases and various things. But, but look into that. So the Bible is saying, look, guys, do it together. It's powerful. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let Zion's children rejoice in their king. Let them praise so let the, kid, the children rejoice. Let them praise his name with dancing. Now, we, we're British, so we need to work on the dancing bit. OK, we're like, we're like, I'm British. I'll put my hand on you. That's about as much you can get out of me, you know. But uh, I tell you, when I was when I was in Africa and they they praised God so hard that the baked hard ground, the dust would come up and it was like they didn't need smoke machines. I mean, they just they danced so hard. Literally, the church was just full of dust. It was fantastic. Just amazing. So let them praise his name with dancing. Let them sing praises to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he will beautify the humble with salvation. But then we come to the second half of this, of this psalm. Let the godly ones exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats. Now look at this. And a two-edged sword in their hands. 
Okay, so we're now getting into spiritual warfare because the two-edged sword is the? Yeah, the sword of the Spirit, as it says in, um, in Ephesians 6, says, listen to this, to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This is the honour for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord! So when we're praising the Lord, we are actually doing things in the heavenly realms that even affects things on the earth. You don't need to go around binding powers and principalities. You just need to get your Hillsong CDs on and start praising the Lord. That probably does more good in the heavenlies than you decreeing and declaring stuff in the heavenlies. This is what God wants for his people. Praise and worship. He is so worthy of our praise and he is so worthy of everything. But what I love about God is that he is an overflowing cup runneth over, over the top generous God. And so as we give him the praise that he rightly deserves, in his goodness and in his kindness and in his mercy and in his grace and his bountifulness and his providence, he then allows us to experience the joy that he's experiencing in heaven from worship. And it lifts us up out of our mire and our depths and takes us up into a heavenly place. So when we praise and we worship him, and here's another thing, it says in the Psalms that when we praise him, he inhabits the praises of his people. What does that mean? It means his presence manifests. And so often I hear Christians say, oh, I'm just not feeling the presence of God in my life. I just can't feel the presence of God. Okay, here's a CD, go home, put it on, do some jumping around, singing for Jesus. You will feel the presence of God. And that might sound really stupid, but it really is as simple as that. You just get your praise on, hallelujah. Look, watch, let's do it now. Let's all just close our eyes. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord God. And I bless you, Lord God, that you are our saviour. You are the lamb that's seated on the throne next to the Father, Lord God. You are the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. You are our great and beautiful and mighty and powerful God. And we love you, Jesus. We delight in you. We extol you. We, we love your beautifulness and your holiness and your righteousness and your kindness and your benevolence, Lord. You are such a good and mighty, loving, kind God. Oh, Holy Spirit, we love you. We delight in you. Father, we, be, we just love you and adore you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. And there it is. Can you feel it? It's the presence of God. Whoa, this is all sounding a little bit too charismatic for my liking. <laughs> it's not charismatic. It's biblical theology. It's just there. It's in your Bible. If you want to be cessationist about it, it's up to you. But when the Bible says it is good for us to praise the Lord, if the Bible says, you know, to raise up holy hands. Uh, and here's another thing. Let's quickly turn this. Holy Spirit, Sammy. Go to this passage. Go to this one. Ephesians 5. Oh, look. Ephesians 5. I think it's Ephesians 5. <coughs> I've got a new Bible here, so it's not highlighted. But basically, it says in Ephesians 5, it says, Be not drunk on wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, in the Greek, where it says be filled, the Greek is a present tense. So it means to be continually, 
always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so some of you might go, when did you get filled with the Spirit? Well, I got filled in 1919 at some charismatic convention. It's like, okay, good for you. But you can be filled with the Holy Spirit every single day. It's like, do I need to go to a charismatic convention every day to receive the Spirit? It's like, no, you can actually be filled with the Spirit every day. Because it then says in that, that same passage, by being filled with the Spirit, and it says how? It says, by singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's how you can be consistently and constantly filled with the Spirit of God. Now that sounds too easy, doesn't it? But it is that easy. We just complicate it. We just like, oh, can't bother today. It's just as simple as that. If we just, oh man, we have such wonderful things at our disposal because we have been blessed with hev in heavenly places with every spiritual blessing. Everyone say every. every. All right, not some of them. Every spiritual blessing you have been blessed with. Hallelujah. But so often we forget it, don't we? We walk around and like we just get bogged down by our circumstances. But the Holy Spirit wants to challenge us. It's like, guys, you've been doing that all of your life and it doesn't really work. It's not working out for you. So why don't we all do it God's way? It's a better way. It's a, a way of life and a way of peace and a way of joy. Hallelujah. So when you are feeling a little bit in the dumps, then stick on those, those Hillsong CDs or whatever it is you love listening to and just start praising the Lord and delighting him in the beauty of holiness. It will raise you up and God the deliverer will deliver you from your miry muck and take you up into the heavenly places. And yes, life can be tough. But God has said that he will never fail us and he will never forsake us. He is with us. You know, Jesus walked amongst us in human flesh. But now guess what? The Holy Spirit is living in each one of us in, in houses of flesh. He's with you in, in your mess. He knows your pain. And, and here's another thing. God's not just up in heaven, just like minding his own business. And I don't feel anything because I'm up in heaven. Because he's inside of you, he knows your pain. He knows what you're going through. He's empathetic. He feels it because you are the body of Christ. You feel it. Christ feels it. There's this idea of the body of Christ is not a theological concept that Paul came up with. It's a spiritual reality. You are the body of Christ. Individually, you're members of that body, but together we are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as, as these spiritual seasons are changing, I do believe the Spirit is saying to his church in these days, Time to ride the wave, be ahead of the curve, actually start coming prematurely almost into this new spiritual season that we're coming into so that we land in this new spiritual season running. Amen. Hallelujah. Already jogging. Well, man, I'm already at this game, you know, already for the next thing that's coming. And so because God wants to use his church in this hour, the church should not be a place of fear. The church should not be like, oh, my gosh, look what's going on in the world. I'm so frightened and fretful. It is frightening what's going on in the world to maybe to some people, but you, because your focus is too much on the fear and not on faith and not on God. You see, perfect love casts out all fear. And so if we focus on God, who is love, God is love, as it says in the letters of John, therefore that will cast out all fear. Gaze upon your king, not the BBC, not Sky not hours of YouTube videos and other sort of doom stuff you might watch. Keep your eyes fixed on your saviour. Praise and worship him and delight him and it will change you from within and because you are changed from within, God can use that within-ness to change what's going on around you. Amen. God bless.